0: Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. Never before have so many people rallied around a common cause. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I co-lead a climate venturing practice at the design firm IDEO, supporting early stage climate founders and organizations. I'm also an investor and startup advisor and have realized that when it comes to climate action, I'll be a lifelong learner looking for the best ways to have a climate positive impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you found us. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Find episodes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at InvestedInClimate.com. Thanks for joining.
1: Would you lend your money to someone to finance a prison, to finance a war, to finance fossil fuels and the destruction of the environment? If the answer is no, you shouldn't be lending your money or depositing your money with one of the big banks because that is what they're doing.
0: Most people don't put all that much thought into where they bank. Perhaps you chose a bank based upon convenience back in a time when going into physical branches really mattered. Or maybe you bank where your parents bank, or more likely at one of the four biggest banks that acquired the local bank where your parents banked. Whatever the reason, you probably didn't consider how that bank invests the money you deposit in your checkings and savings account. And you'll probably be annoyed to find out that your money is actually invested in fossil fuels. Today's guest, Ravi Mickelson, is the founder of Atmos Financial, a neobank that ensures your deposits only fund climate-positive investments like renewable energy projects. I know what you're thinking. Switching banks might sound like a hassle, but it's probably easier and more impactful than you think. Ravi walks us through the process, the benefits, and some of the lessons he's gathered through his career-long effort to protect the planet, I hope you'll give him a listen. Let's get going. Hello, Ravi. Welcome to Invested in Climate.
1: Thanks, Jason. Glad to be here.
0: So fun to see you actually in real life, in person. Last night seems like a rarity these days.
1: It it sure does. It's a, it's a different reality we live in, but it's good to get back into into that state, uh, into that space where we can gather.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you a bit over the last couple of weeks, hear your story, hear your path, hear a bit about uh, what you're building at Atmos Financial. And I have to say that's the path that you've taken to build a career in the climate space was totally fascinating and not at all a linear journey. Uh, (laughs) So why don't we start there for a minute and tell us your story about how you came to found Atmos Financial.
1: Yeah, it's definitely non-linear and it's a long one. depends on how far back you go, but freshman orientation at university, I had a Hollywood-like moment of epiphany where they separated us into engineers and normal folks. And in our little engineering group, uh, this woman came and talks about this four-year engineering research exchange program, which in itself is kind of an oddity signing up for a four-year program, even before the first day of, of university. She talked about being able to do graduate level research right away into things like eco-friendly materials and water quality testing and renewable energy and something, something, something. Because once she said renewable energy, for me, the room got dark and there was a voice in my head. And so I couldn't hear anything else. And this voice said to me, like this is your mission in life. And so I signed up for that four-year program, spent a year in China with it. And since then I've spent some part of every day uh, working to complete this mission and and move the world off of fossil fuels. So started as an engineer, worked on a bunch of different energy generation and management technologies. And then about six years ago, through a Department of Energy program, I actually made the switch over to finance and developed a, a new lending model uh, in the residential solar space. And it was all about getting that financing into a bank mortgage working on that. And the solar coaster as it is, there was a big downturn in 2017, which sort of killed the funding for that, but not the idea, the seed. And after reading the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's uh, 2018 report on how we can stay below one and a half degrees centigrade of temperature rise, is basically what we need is trillions of dollars spent every year on this transition. And if you look at who's got that amount of money. Feasibly, it's only the global banking system. The 60,000 banks and credit unions, they've got $170 trillion of our money. These are deposits that they use to finance whatever they want and that will make them money. And so it's like, okay, if we need a bank, if we need bank deposits to do this, we need a bank that's wholly focused around this transition around uh, climate positive assets. And since I couldn't find another entity that was doing this, I knew that I was now responsible for uh, bringing it to life. And so that's when I got started, uh, sort of s- specifically on the idea of Atmos. And I was fortunate enough to meet my now co-founder just a few months into that journey. And we hit it off and convinced him to join me on this, <laughs> on this fantastic and arduous task. And here we are.
0: Well, I love that you took a, really an engineering mindset through your solar experience and then really still applied it to thinking about where do you have the most leverage and identifying the financial services spaces as being a place where you really do have a lot of leverage.
1: Yeah, and it's a great term, leverage, because... Literally how I saw this, um, I've used this term for years and Pete, my co-founder, is is tired of me saying it, but uh, I really saw finance as the Archimedes lever that I'd been searching for because if we want to move the world off of fossil fuels, it is a lever that we need. And as we say, money makes the world go round. And so if we shift what money is available for financing this and the cost of that, of that capital, uh, we can accelerate this transition and meet our climate goals.
0: Yeah, and absolutely and it's something that all of us touch and all of us have decisions about. Sometimes we're not necessarily thinking that much about some of those decisions. And so thrilled to have you on today to talk about that a bit. Before we go there, because I would love to go uh, deep into what Atmos Financial is, I just wanna ask because you mentioned the solar coaster and since it wasn't a linear journey, I'm curious, With the bumps in the road that you faced, did you ever feel really frustrated and discouraged and consider actually leaving the climate space uh, to go focus on something else?
1: Yeah, definitely. And working in climate uh, now for 22 years in some part, there have been periods of depression, of anxiety, anger, frustration. So it's not just like, hey, here's my mission. I am I am a very positive person and, and not without suffering from, you know, these negative emotions as well. Especially it's like in those early periods when I was first getting into it and just the, the scale of the challenge and the lack of resources and support, you know, it was a lonely time. You know, there were very few of us that were working on, especially within my circle back in the early to mid aughts. It was, it was really hard. But in the last five years, orders of magnitude shift in the number of people working on it, investing in it, and the cost decline. So that's really you know, that's been an incredible shift to see and gives me incredible hope that we will meet these goals. And it's not a binary goal. It's not like, oh, if we don't meet 1.5 and then for these reports, you see the Paris goal is two degrees centigrade. It's like, okay, we don't go from 1.5 to 2. We go from 1.5 to 1.51, 1.52. How soon can we stop temperature rise and stabilize our climate so that we can preserve as much of the habitable areas for us as humans who live on this planet and for the other denizens as well? So it's like, that's what we have to remember is that it's this scale. It's not these linear jumps and it's like, oh well, we can't get it. Let's give up. It's like, no, we keep fighting as long as we draw breath. We keep fighting, and we will stop at some point. And it's just how low can we, you know, stabilize the climate? There was a period when I first moved down here. Uh, I worked on some data analysis uh, startup for for a couple of years, and that got. Uh, Picked up by a nonprofit that actually helps active duty service members who are transitioning uh, and becoming veterans, helping them to find where they can fit best into civilian life again. Uh, so it's gratifying to see that the technology that we built uh, get used for such a great purpose. But even during that time, I was still sort of active in other parts of daily life of showcasing. The electric vehicle, uh, so I had a first-generation Nissan Leaf volunteering, etc. But yeah, after a few years, I had to get back uh, <laughs> back to my mission directly.
0: Very cool. Well, I definitely share the observation that over the past four or five years, in some ways, it feels like a mass mobilization, maybe at an unprecedented and historic level of global talent, of resources and capital, uh, and really everyone. Uh, That's looking at the space, realizing one, what an amazing opportunity it is, and two, how urgent it is. And for many people, it's not just about dedicating your work to it, but thinking about what can you do in your lifestyle, in your investments, through your activism, through all these different channels. With that said, would love to get into what Atmos Financial is. Break it down for us. Tell us what you're working on and really what's the problem that you're trying to solve.
1: And also want to acknowledge the work that you've done on climate over the past decade plus at Google and other places where you've worked. So thank you for that. And being being a part of this team, it's not just you as an interview who've come into it, it's you've been in it and are now doing great organization. So thank you. Atmos is, it's an unregulated banking entity. So we are a financial technology startup, a fintech, a climate fintech. There are a lot of words and figuring out what industry all of us fit in. A neobank is another term for what we are. So as I said, it's a, a fintech startup and we partner with existing regulated banks. Uh, so when somebody opens an account with Atmos, their money sits with our sponsor bank. So it, it prov- has the FDIC coverage from that bank and we get all of the same normal checking savings accounts that you would if you open up an account directly with that bank that's how we, we are similar to other neo banks. How we are different is that we've set up additional relationships to that bank. So we have these counterparty banks where we direct our deposits to go to. So we find a bank that has a utility scale solar lending program and so we direct deposits to into that program so it funds more projects or we'll add one for wind and for commercial solar and residential solar and electric vehicles and regenerative agriculture. So it's constantly Our goal is to create this network so that we can create this climate-positive portfolio for our deposit holders, and so we can use these deposits, which is lower cost. So, if you look at many of the other project financiers, they're borrowing at four to six percent, or even higher. If you look at some of the investment opportunities in this space, and again, the equity investments in a project will earn a higher return than the debt because you're locking in that capital. Uh, So, if Any of your listeners have invested into a solar project and saying, hey, I'm earning 8%. Why would I move my money to Atmos and earn 0.8% is that you can't take that certificate of ownership into the solar project or your share of Tesla and go and buy milk with it. We offer liquid bank accounts. So you put your money in while we're holding it. It's helping to fund solar and other climate positive assets. You can buy that milk. You can buy shares of Tesla by connecting to a brokerage account. It is just like any other bank account and it is fully liquid. So you something comes up, you need to pull your money out. You can do that. We want it to fit within the structure so that it can get into that bank lending program and we can drive down the costs further for this transition.
0: Okay. So it sounds like it's really all about making sure the money that your customers deposit is then used to be lent for climate positive businesses, renewable energy projects, for example. Is that right?
1: It is. That's one of the benefits of not being a regulated bank. As a regulated bank, the regulators, the government entities, in order to protect us as consumers, as deposit holders, they make sure that The banks, and we don't call ourselves a bank, it's another part of you know sort of the rules, is that those that are regulated, they have to have meet certain risk requirements. And so that usually means a diversified portfolio. So these banks that have been around, they'll hold government treasuries, bonds, might be corporate or municipal bonds, they'll hold mortgages, auto loans, and the bigger banks they'll also hold the debt for fossil fuel extraction, for oil pipelines, for private prisons, all of these things, which many of us deem societally harmful. As the unregulated entity, we don't have to have that diversification. And so we can move money to one bank, and that's 100% climate positive use of our deposits. And we can move some into another bank, and that will be 100% climate positive. And so in so doing, we can create a hundred percent climate positive portfolio for our deposit holders, and provide additional capital for these banks to to lend out.
0: You know, so it's really about making sure that your money, while it's invested in a bank, is being uh, used for positive and climate positive investments. But let's be clear, the big banks are absolutely funding renewable energy, decarbonization projects, and a wide range of green initiatives. JPMorgan Chase, Citi, Wells Fargo, they've all made commitments to fund at least a trillion dollars of green investments uh, by 2030. They're also part of groups like the Net Zero Banking Alliance, which represents over 40% of banking assets and is committed to aligning their their lending and investment portfolios with net zero emissions by 2050. So the big banks are are making commitments. Uh, how is it that me as your customer am having a better, more positive climate impact rather than sticking with one of the big banks?
1: Yeah, great question. 2030, 2050 commitments, if not coupled with... 2022 actions mean about as much as the paper that they're written on. We need to push those banks to act faster. It's it's difficult for them to act in the speed that we need. And so that is why there's a large push to move money out of these banks and say, hey, let's let's move the money into Atmos or into another entity that follows that will be like Atmos um, so that it, it gets used for this transition now. And so that potentially we can reduce the amount of capital going to to fossil fuels, it is difficult as a one year old entity to to match the scale of 150 year old, two point five trillion dollar you know, bank like Chase or B of A or Wells, you know. Fair enough. But we're working on it. We're growing quickly, and you know, give, give us a few more years. <laughs> if you look at those commitments, the, the trillion dollars, don't know exactly which commitment you're looking at for 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 which entity but some of those include revenues from investment banking deals so if they're helping you know if they expect to broker so many deals and they're going to earn 200 billion dollars they will count that as as part of that trillion dollars but it's not 200 billion dollars that is for project finance specifically for energy transition or climate positive activities so there is a little bit of clever marketing within those commitments and we need them to move them to hard commitments for actual project deployment. And if you look at the numbers right now, what is being financed, you know, the climate positive financing is fractions of a percent compared to their fossil fuel portfolios. That's what we're trying to accelerate. If Jamie Dimon listens to this, please go faster. Hey, you know, compete with us and email all of your mortgage holders and tell them, put solar on the roof and finance it for them great, do it. We need that.
0: These are really strong points. uh, And for anyone that wants to learn more, uh, I'll actually include a link in the show notes to a recent article in Green Biz and also to a couple of recent reports that came out on the topic. The big takeaways, the big banks have continued to invest enormous sums in fossil fuels, and they support industry associations lobbying against climate action. So while they're making these big public commitments and what Ravi's describes as more or less mushy commitments, they're continuing to finance fossil fuels and they're really playing both sides of the issue. And so Ravi, I think the point that you're making is that there's power in divesting from fossil fuels. Is that just a feel-good strategy or is there evidence that shows that divestment really does make a difference?
1: It can make a difference. There's a couple things that if an individual takes their money out by itself it may not cause a shift in the activities of one of these large banks but if you Jason take your money out of Chase or Wells and move it into Atmos and you talk about it and you tell other people about it and it creates that social pressure and it normalizes this activity so there's actually two parts in there so there's the divestment part i guess there's more multiple parts but so there's the divestment part There's the socialization and normalization, which creates more of a systemic effect. And then there is, in moving into Atmos, you're also doing the investment part. So we can't just stop at fossil-free, climate-neutral. Like We need to be climate-positive. We need to actually invest in the assets that we need to power our lives. So instead of funding more fossil fuel energy infrastructure, we need clean energy infrastructure. We need clean mobility. We need better urban planning. So... In in moving the money to Atmos, we can actually invest in that better world that we all want to live in. So if people know that moving where they bank, because banks, the bank loans are what get used to build the world in which we live, we each have the power to help shape the world that we want to live in by choosing where we bank. It's a very powerful realization to know that we can help literally shape the world, the built environment in which we we live and work every day.
0: I love that insight. I'm sure you've talked to dozens, maybe hundreds of people about their banking choices. As you've said, it's, a, it's really a choice that we all can make. Do people think much about where they bank and what they want from a bank? And what do they want from a bank?
1: Yeah, I think at this point, uh, it's probably a few thousand people that I've spoken to about this. And similar to... Their utility bills and their electricity consumption they only spend a few minutes on actually thinking about it every year If you're thinking about it more than that it's probably because your card was declined you switch flipped the switch and the lights didn't come on and so there's a problem it's both of these core resources of ours it's just it's a background function that we expect to work and people choose a bank because it's down the street from where they grew up. And they've been with that bank for 10, 20, 30, 50 years. Some of the people that have come to us were their second or third bank account in 50, 60 years. And they want low fees for the most part. They want convenience. Everyone's slightly different, but you can sort of bucket the banking needs with certain groups. But for the most part, they want easy to use uh, features, you know your core savings and checking uh some people want to do payments, pay their friends, family, and yeah, they want good customer support now it's also good technology. it's good design and technology is table stakes. you at i d o know this these are things that we work on every day is how do we improve. Getting people through the application process, the onboarding, making it intuitive of how to use their money, the impact that they're having, showcasing that, throwing that in there because we are a climate focused banking entity. When people coming to Atmos, that is a big part of why they come is because of the impact that they can have. And then also we offer one of the highest savings rates in the country. And so. That's also a big benefit of people moving over their money, their savings accounts
0: to us, great. You know, so it's interesting. Atmos offers people a way to have a positive climate impact, but it requires paying attention to something that they've already set up and kind of put on autopilot. Uh, and just getting through to people to think about a decision like this is is probably a challenge for you. What's getting through best to get people's attention and help them reevaluate?
1: It's a huge challenge. Banking is sticky by design and also by by the inertial pain. It's like you you have all of these things. It's this long-standing utility that you connect more and more things to it. And the idea of changing that, and especially these legacy institutions that are difficult to open and often difficult to deal with, the thought of unwinding all of that is a huge hurdle for people. And getting the word out through podcasts like this, through social media, we have a a really good word of mouth program because of the impact that we're having is people do like to talk about it. They like to say that they are moving their money out of funding fossil fuels and towards a climate positive future with Atmos. When somebody sees that an influencer that they follow or a family or friend or colleague is moving their money, it normalizes it for, for them. And they say, well, I want to have such an impact too. And oh, somebody I trust says it was easy. When we say that it takes less than two minutes to apply for an account, naturally you think that's just marketing. Literally does take two minutes for almost everybody to finish the application.
0: Just two minutes. That's great. Yeah. Done online. You don't need to go into a physical branch.
1: If you have an internet connection, you are at your branch. <laughs> you know, that's that's basically it and you can go on a web browser or through an iPhone or Android app. And so we we try to make it as as easy as possible. And also we have both savings and checking. Checking is usually it's the dynamic, it's the more difficult one to unwind because maybe you pay your rent or your mortgage and your Netflix and your HBO and your utilities. And so you've got all that set up, but your savings account just sits there like that is static. So we say, Hey, start with your savings, just move it over. We're going to pay you more money, and you're going to have a positive impact. And you can have a checking account if you want, you can get a debit card. And if you get that debit card, now you've got those numbers, you got those magical numbers. And so you're changing something, you know, in Netflix, go in there and change it out. And now you're paying from your Atmos account, and slowly over time you can unwind and shift things over to Atmos. You don't have to do
0: it all at once. I love that you refer to the numbers on a debit card as magical numbers. Or <laughs> I guess magical because it allows stuff to appear, <laughs> but also because you're investing in climate solutions while you do that.
1: Yeah, if you think about it, it is, it is kind of magical. It's just these, these little digits which identify that this is your money, and you can use it to then send around the world to get goods and services from companies around the world. And it, it is a sort of this, this you know, magical economic force.
0: It also highlights just how much financial services has changed. I mean, you think that, oh, the banks... I mean, you would think that a bank needs to be very physical, that it's even the word makes you feel like it is something very solid. You know, think of walking into a large bank with concrete or marble or something like that. But in today's world, it really doesn't even need to be something that lives off of a screen. It can be completely digital. But still, people want to know that their money is safe. And there might be a perceived risk that banking with a startup might be more risky than with a 150-year-old institution with all of that concretes and marble. Is Atmos as safe as banking with any other financial service provider?
1: As safe or safer? Because one, we have the same FDIC coverage as those banks because we use those banks. So your money doesn't sit in, technically it doesn't sit in an Atmos bank account. It sits at our sponsor banks. And so If something were to happen to Atmos, that money would still be in that bank account. And that bank, backed by the FDIC, would still be able to provide you with your money. So on that sense, it's the exact same. On the technology side, I would say that we're safer because we're built uh, only with modern technology, with modern uh, security practices in place from the beginning versus starting from 40, 50, 70 years ago when banks started introducing technology. And so piecing together their technology over decades, you've got a lot more surface area of code and potential entry points or, or data loss points. And, and we provide features like two-factor authentication and transaction notifications so that you as a customer can have one much tighter security that you control yourself and be notified for every transaction so that if something does happen, you can lock it down right away. You can constantly lock and unlock your your cards from your mobile app, from a web browser. So we take security very seriously.
0: Great. And what about convenience? Uh, Your ATM networks, by switching, will customers suddenly be faced with ATM fees that they didn't face before?
1: probably fewer fees. We have a fee-free network of 55,000 ATMs across the US. That sounds like a lot. Using the Allpoint network, and they're at pretty much every pharmacy and many other you know convenient locations, grocery stores that the person might frequent. And right within the mobile app, you can actually see a map of where those ATMs are. So as you're traveling and you need cash, you can do that. The downside of an all-digital bank for some is that you don't have that local physical branch to go into. And that is a that is a hard need for for some customers that that we can't meet uh, and we're not trying to. So it's we bridge the gap of the physical and the digital through this large ATM network. And we'll be offering check payments soon of being able to set a, a a recipient of that check within the app. And then our bank partner will mail a check to that person. So there is this little bit of a hybrid, uh, you know, physical digital, but we don't plan to offer branches, but we just want to embed banking wherever you are. So being able to have some sort of banking relationship at the grocery store, at a Best Buy or other goods store, just make it easier.
0: Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely this idea of banks being part of a community And yet, uh, I think Atmos is finding ways to be part of a community too, uh, the environmental or the climate community. And uh, I think you're doing something interesting with, I think it's the Roundup program and other ways that your customers are able to support nonprofits. Uh, Tell us about that.
1: Thank you. And that's been a key part. Supporting climate nonprofits has been a key feature of Atmos and part of our mission uh, since the beginning because... Climate nonprofits receive just a small fraction of the overall philanthropic uh, giving every year. And so we want to expose these nonprofits to more customers. And so in order to get our highest savings rate on the accounts, uh, the one request that we have is that you make a monthly donation of any amount to one of these 50 plus nonprofits that we have on the platform. And you can donate fee-free A fixed amount, a portion of your savings rate, and uh, you can do one-time gifts also from your checking account. But as you mentioned, on the debit card purchases, we also offer Roundup donations. The Roundup feature you can use for both donations or to your savings account. So if you want to save to something and you just want to put in a few cents with every purchase, so you go buy a coffee for $4.75, you can round up. $5, To $5, and that $0.25 cents can either go into that savings account uh, for your first EV purchase or whatever, or you can donate it to one of these, these nonprofits. Um, and so it's just every day, it's just a little bit. So it's not a, a large fixed amount, but it's just a little bit with every purchase. And that's an interesting program that's, that continues to grow every week. We're getting a lot of great responses from our customers and our nonprofits about it. So it's interest on both sides. And one other thing on the, the debit card is that we have perhaps the largest climate positive or sustainable cash back rewards program for any debit card. Perhaps for credit cards too, we're almost at 300 and our goal is to get to 500 companies by the end of the year. And so we give up to 5% cash back on purchases at these uh, mission aligned companies.
0: Fantastic. And so if I understand correctly, there's also another benefit for your customers. And this is by virtue of you not having to deal with the costs of having physical locations, is you're able to offer your customers a higher savings rate than traditional banks. Is that right?
1: That is correct. Branch networks cost as much as one percent of the yield. And so by by not having that, we reduce our expenses and can pay more to our customers for the privilege of borrowing their money. One way to think about your deposits is that you as a customer are making a loan to the bank. You're lending the bank your deposits for them to then use for their purposes, which is to lend out to other projects. So would you lend your money to someone to finance a prison, to finance a war, to finance fossil fuels and the destruction of the environment? If the answer is no, you shouldn't be lending your money or depositing your money with one of the big banks, because that is what they're doing. In order to help facilitate you as a listener, divesting your money out of those big banks and no longer lending your money to those banks to facilitate the creation of those projects, the, in- the infrastructure, we pay, I think it's something like 80 times what the big banks are paying. So our top rate is 0.8% right now if you're making that monthly donation. Uh, Otherwise, it's 0.4%, which is still one of the top rates in the country. And we use the term savings rate because interest rate is reserved by our bank partner. So you will get two payments every month, the interest rate or interest yield payment from the bank and the savings rate payment from Atmos.
0: Fantastic. Ravi, you've made a really strong and compelling case. How do we sign up? What's the next thing that listeners should do? And what's involved with setting up an Atmos account?
1: If you want to join Atmos, you can go to joinatmos.com. Very simple. And as I said, it is a less than two-minute application process for most people. We gather very basic information to verify a person's identity. Uh, so we do capture a social security number, but we do not do a credit check. So there's no hard or soft credit pull on there. It's just we need to verify the person is who they say they are. And then from there... You get your account information and you can take that to your existing bank or credit union and start funding your account and helping to fund this transition. So we're trying to make it very simple. If people do have any questions, feel free to reach out. We have chat, social media, email, phone, services, video calls. We are inclusive. So we use closed captioning on our video calls. So we have serviced hearing impaired customers, our head of customer success is death themselves uh, and uses the closed captioning on a daily basis. And let us know what you need. And we're constantly working to make it better. But please move your money out of funding fossil fuels. We need all of us to be working on this together. And if you aren't working directly at a climate tech company, moving your money out of funding fossil fuels and into funding this transition is something that you can do
0: Fantastic. Ravi, you've studied the intersection of financial services and climate. So I'm curious beyond starting an account uh, by going to join Atmos, uh, what other opportunities do you see for everyday people to better leverage their money and their finances to invest in climate?
1: Yeah, great question. So, in addition to banking, which has a very direct impact on the the financing of, of climate positive assets, there's also investments. Are you invested? Either directly into fossil fuel companies, or companies that support uh, fossil fuel extraction or combustion, or funds—is it your retirement account? Is it your pension at work? And if those are with, you know, one of the major brokerage firms that has these funds, you know, talk with your your fund administration at work, or your investment broker, or it's yourself, because there are climate positive alternatives. Carbon Collective, New Day Impact, uh, Etho Capital, Change Finance. There are a lot, and I'm sure you'll put some of these in the resources as well. What just launched a few weeks ago is uh, premiums for the planet. Another thing that most people don't know is that their insurance premiums get invested. So when you pay your, your monthly insurance premium, your insurance company takes all those premiums, invest those, and they grow that portfolio, and that's what they use to pay out. Making sure that your insurance premiums uh, and the biggest insurance companies, they're some of the biggest funders of fossil fuel extraction as well, and um, as well as the the corporate equity of the, the fossil fuel companies. So if you sign up for premiums for the planet, you can actually have your insurance premiums going towards climate positive projects and companies as well. So it's another way that that people can use their financial power to aid this transition.
0: That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Lots of great resources. We'll definitely include those in the show notes. Ravi, as you know, this podcast, Invested in Climate, focuses on helping people do more to address climate change really through five categories of action, work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. We've talked today a lot about investments and your work. Uh, I know that you've made addressing climate change a priority in your life for a long time. So I'm curious, what else do you recommend that listeners consider doing across those other categories of learning, lifestyle, and activism?
1: I think you can be an activist in all parts of your life. If you work at a company that's not directly in the climate space, bring climate into your work because your work somehow touches climate, whether it is through the pension, uh, whether it's some activity that you do. If you all travel to... You work for a large company that has a central office, see about getting more zero energy commuting options. If you work for remote, see if your company will help sponsor community solar purchases for the electricity you're consuming to now do work at your house. So there are ways to bring it in. And also on the activism side, even more potentially powerful than moving your money out of banking is political activism. You should be voting if you're eligible to vote. And you should vote for the most climate aggressive candidates, all the way from the PTA up to the president of the United States, or for whatever country you live in. And so there are certain nonprofits that can help you do that. You know, be more effective at it. Climate Cabinet looks at uh, candidates at sort of all those down ballot races, so the city commissions and and so forth. Environmental Voter Project, I think it's like twenty four dollars. With that amount, they can turn an environmentalist non-voter into a voter. So we're bringing more people to vote for this issue. These orgs all have great data. And then there's climate change makers is another one. And these are all three orgs that you can donate to through the Atmos platform or directly. And climate change makers will teach you how to interact and to put pressure on your own legislators. It's like, how do you become an effective climate activist? Those phone calls, those emails, they do really help because there's a certain calculus that the political operatives use uh, or these legislators and, and, and our political leaders use is that if somebody emails in, it's like, okay, it's worth about 10 people caring about this issue. If somebody calls in, then maybe it's 50 or hundred people. And if somebody walks in, it's like a thousand people doing these these activities, they do matter. And so, you know, choose the ones, whatever you can do to put pressure to make sure that. We do pass legislation like the Build Back Better Act, like climate infrastructure. And your local politics, in some regards, matter even more than the national politics because is your local zoning commission is going to determine whether or not this area is single family zone only, or you can have multi-tenant housing in this area. Do you have more public transportation or is it all parking lots and roadways for you know single person automobiles? Get politically active. You don't have to protest, but do put pressure and go out and vote.
0: Ravi, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm grateful for your time. Grateful to have learned more about Atmos Financial. I hope that many people hear about this, get excited, uh, become your new customers. I'm going to, and I'm excited to be able to connect with you in the future as as Atmos continues to grow. Uh, is there anything that you wish that we had asked?
1: What's next? I uh, guess so. I know you and I talked about this. Uh, So we don't have commercial accounts yet. Uh, We're working on all of the personal accounts to getting those totally baked out, which also includes joint accounts, uh, which are coming this year. But commercial accounts will be coming uh, later this year or early 2023 at the latest. And then credit cards as well. So we want to keep replacing that big bank functionality. So we... Every day, every week, every month, we make it easier for people to replace their fossil fuel funding bank and bank services uh, with climate positive ones from Atmos.
0: Fantastic. Ravi, thank you again for your time. Thrilled to see Atmos take off and to be a part of it.
1: Jason, thank you so much for having
0: me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, get in touch and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.